0: I'm Dave. And I'm Rob. We've got the same dad. Only we didn't meet until I was 16. So this is the podcast where we share an album with each other that your, your brother, brother the should, should no
1: oh. Fantastic. Nailed it. Hello, everybody. Welcome to... Your brother should know. Today's album that we're going to be discussing and I'm presenting to Rob is Disintegration by The Cure. Ah, oh, The Ugh. Cure. <laughs> the Cure, do they even need an introduction? They're so big. But it's a podcast, so I better had to. Um they started in the late 70s, and they started as a kind of jangly pop guitar band. Their first album was pretty pop, actually. Uh, three Imaginary Boys or Boys Don't Cry, depending on where you bought it. But Robert Smith, at the same time, was invited and became the main guitarist for Susie and the Banshees, and that was a big influence. So the next three Cure albums, uh, 17 Seconds, Faith, Pornography were a lot more goth. For many people, The Cure are goth. They invented goth. Miserable, shoegazing music, long musical passages about teenage angst and misery and bad things happening. Um But they held on to the pop tinge. Uh And in the mid 80s, they went really pop with albums like The Top, uh, Head on the Door, Kiss Me, Kiss Me, Kiss Me, Kiss Me, grew a big following. But um, they popped out to the extent that certainly your original goth uh, fans were were not happy, and neither was Robert Smith. He he agreed with the goth naysayers. He thought the band was going in the wrong direction. So when they came to record Disintegration, lots of things were going on for him. He was approaching thirty, and he thought probably right. Actually, it's right for another podcast that no one no one writes their rock or pop masterpiece after the age of thirty, and he very much wanted to. And he was also, as I say, upset with the direction of the band. Wanted to take them back to their more serious goth roots and so the cure went into the the studio and produced a 73 minute long album of somber miserable songs introspective they're about emotional fracturedness they're about relationships breaking down they're about an individual breaking down they're about an individual breaking down in terms of his relationships with every part of his life himself his lovers and and society at large. But it was lapped up, ironically for Robert Smith, wanted to go back to his goth roots, but it made them bigger than ever. You could almost say it's their Joshua tree, in that it took a band that were already pretty big uh, and propelled them to massive stadium-filling superstardom. People loved it, as did the critics. Um, All music described it as hypnotic and mesmerising. Rolling Stone described it as dark and brilliant. It's been a constant friend and companion for me for 30 years. I'm one of those people. I fell in love with it the first time I heard it and never been able to put it down since. So it was a surprise to me, given its size, Rob, that you'd never, ever heard it. So um, gave it to you a week ago. Tell me, Rob, should your brother know disintegration by the cure?
0: I'm going to sidestep that uh, because whether or not I should know it is is another matter. Whether or not I wanted to know it, whether or not I enjoyed getting to know it, is uh, a more pertinent concern. I'll, I'll level you. This hasn't been an easy, an easy listen, has it? It's a. Uh, it's really a record where I think you get out what you put in, uh-huh. and the longer you spend with it, and the longer you're able to, enter that worldview, enter Robert Smith's twisted kind of bleak, mental state. The the more you'll get from it. I wonder how much that resonates with uh, a, a new crowd uh, you know in, in the Spotify age and I definitely for for the stage I'm in mean, in my life it wasn't it wasn't easy to find much resonance. I
1: guess one of the things you can't avoid talking about in this album is not just its length but the length of all of its songs. So they they stre- they stretch out musical ideas to their absolute limit. Now I'm someone that loves the album but I wonder what you found to the just the just that idea of taking a kernel of, of of a musical idea, and and clearly every song layering its arrangement and production upon you know keyboard, percussion, guitar, lots of instrumentals before the singing even starts, and then massive long instrumental bits in the middle, and then massive long outros as well. If you're in, I think you're right. I think if you're in the emotional, the bleak emotional state that much, much this album spends its time in, I think that all works for you. But if you're not, maybe it doesn't. What did you think to that?
0: Yeah, I mean, I did find it quite tiring to listen to. I did find that these songs were frustrating at times. I often felt uh, that, you know, things could get going faster. Uh, I could definitely see how in the right headspace you might want to channel into that. And I can see how all the songs stack up to to present some kind of emotional arc but for me that arc was really overbearingly earnest it was very claustrophobic and it was so bleak that i didn't often have the patience to really to really go there and if you're not able to take that commitment uh you kind of see through the songs very quickly because in truth they're all based around very very uh rudimentary musical ideas they're normally based around just two three or perhaps four chords that, that cycle round and around, around and yet I, this definitely builds up te- the textures build up around it and there's a lot of text on this album and, and it, a lot of moodscaping and i appreciate uh how this kind of can paint pictures in the mind and, and take uh, a sympathetic listener on a journey for me it was hard to access that plateau uh, being, uh, you know, relatively well balanced individual, <laughs> it, you know, uh, perhaps if I'd encountered this as, you know, twenty years ago as an angsty teenager, I would I would have felt very differently about it. But uh, I didn't really have a place for it. And as I say, it's not an album for anyone short on time. Which, again, for the purposes of this podcast, made it a particularly frustrating choice. I must say, Dave. <laughs> well, apologies for that. But that
1: that in itself is interesting, you know. And part of the point of these podcasts is. You know, we don't just get to share the music that we like, but we get to know each other better as well through these, through these, uh, through this music. And I guess, um, so what you probably need to learn about me is that the yeah, air, I have been in the emotional, bleak emotional state several times in my life where, where this absolutely resonates with me and, and serves as a, as a fantastic comfort blanket for me, um, time and time again. I came to this album having listened to pretty much nothing but prog rock for about 10 years uh and it surprised me how much this engaged with me because it's clearly you know prog rock is a world of uh, interesting musical ideas everything changes every 20 seconds time signatures we're going to have a, a verse across a bridge we're going to do different things this doesn't it goes it's more like minimalist classical music it goes around it finds a nice mm. thing and, and goes around in circles I came to realize that what it was doing was, was, I mean, I was musically engaged because I, it did take me to that headspace, but it, it it's certainly more of an emotional ex- listen and experience for me than anything mm. that I'd ever had mostly with any of the prog rock I'd listened to. And I, and I think you're right. There is a fantastic emotional arc to this, um, piece of work. Um, it starts off, you know, presenting uh, an individual and then takes you down his numerous kind of you know relationships breaking down uh his psyche breaking down with with um uh with with uh lullaby and his dreamscape uh it talks about failed romances and relationships and then you've got this big four tracks in the middle um fascination street prayers for Lane say for for rain same deep water waters you and then uh, all building to this fantastic Oh, cataclysm of disintegration. This kind of, um, explosion and rant on Robert Smith's part of all the emotions pouring out finally, because up till then it is cool, all quite underground and somber, but disintegration, it just bursts out like a rainstorm. Um, uh, and then the last two tracks, uh, you could, you know, you sometimes wonder, well, did, did they just have two closing tracks of this album and couldn't choose between them? So they decided to go with both. I actually think they both say, say quite, different things so homesick this being this idea that you you sometimes you can't go back you cannot go back to the emotional uh, emotionally fracturing things that you experienced in the past and untitled uh just gives it a fantastic emotional re- um, resolution uh i'll never lose this pain i'll never dream of you again so you know it's almost like robert smith saying it's fine all of this stuff has happened you've experienced it it's been horrific but at the end of it you know and you're always going to have it. You're going to carry that pain with you, but you'll are but you're but you'll be alive to the extent that you're never going to dream about it again. It's never going to dominate your psyche again. So I find all that emotional art an incredible journey, which has yet, I mean, when I first heard it, I was probably 20 and in that kind of more kind of post-adolescent world you're talking about. But to be honest, even in the last five years, it's been a, a, a comfort and a, and, a, and the album I reach to when I'm feeling at my lowest. Uh, and it still works for
0: me as a am now a 51-year-old man 30 years later. Yeah, I mean, I... I completely understand that. And I don't think music needs to be complicated to be affecting. And I agree that some of the most simple music is the most affecting. And that's why, because there's a universality to it that anyone can really relate to with or, with, with or without any real understanding of how music works. You can be affected by a simple melody and a powerful lyric. I feel like if I have objections to this album, it's just that I'm not really sure that the music has, for me at least, it has the, the, the infrastructure, the, the, the foundations to back up the of monument. I mean, for the one thing, um, coming at it with 2023, I find the whole thing sounds painfully dated. Um the synths that dominate, it's really hard sometimes to, to kind of penetrate through this what what sounds quite rudimentary both musically and technologically. And I find that mm-hmm. quite um quite a hindrance. Uh I can definitely see that his vocals, Robert's vocals, can be can be quite affecting, but often they come across as as uh you know just I don't know, he he's not pitching amazingly for me. He's not necessarily pulling the right heartstrings, and it, it just feels a little bit whiny, a little bit self absorbed. Um and yeah, this is just this overbearing mood of earnestness that I mentioned. I I I think it doesn't help that it starts with plain song. It's a very brave decision, to be honest, to start with such a lumbering, clumsy, musically simplistic dirge. Whereas the second song, to me invites me in that's a moment where I feel Uh, welcome pictures of you feels like feels like it could be a single feels like it's got something to say and a bit more of the old cure perhaps and perhaps that's the cure I would like best maybe it is and
1: and you know pictures he was a single i uh, yeah i think you're right i mean for me plain song just absolutely pictures it perfectly it gives you it gives you no doubt as to what sort of uh experience you're about to have for 73 minutes you know uh, a a perfect kind of atmospheric setting of the scene lyrically and those massive keyboards coming in and i mean i think the problem with you finding the production of the music dated i mean your problem there is that you've listened to a lot of music in the last 20 years what you want to do is to stop listening to music in about the year two thousand and then you think this stuff was great. But that's I mean that's I'm sorry but that, that defense
0: doesn't stack up. No, I, I mean because doesn't. all the music of the sixties and the seventies still sounds great. I think we, we all can all agree that the eighties had some problematic production I mean a lot of great artists made some questionable sonic decisions. In any case I can try and see through that, but it's not so much the the tech and the production, it is this quite pretentious claustrophobia it projects mm-hmm. and it's quite icy i find and this is also goes for the guitar sound i find it kind of i i do find some of those uh long drawn out intros uh compelling i can see how they conjure a mood and really it's so when you know it they, they're, they're quite simple but they can really paint a picture that draws a listener in so that when the lyric finally does come you're listening mm-hmm. and it, it, you're already on the same emotional wavelength of, of the person who wrote it um Uh, maybe there's a few too many of them
1: yeah i i wondered about the guitar sound and it's one of the questions because you know for me as a very simplistic guitarist um i i I wonder sometimes if the reason i like them so much is because it's proof if proof were needed that you do not have to be an absolute fret king to make Brilliant sounding, emotionally engaging music, which, which I, you know, I, I almost know the answer to this question, but, 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 I know you agree with that. Um, but it, but when I've listened to this album, I have wondered what, you know, you're probably a, a mm. you're probably a, a more able guitarist than Robert Smith, right? So, so what do you think listening to this? Oh, Does that,
0: def- de- <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I, I don't think I'd be, <laughs> I, I don't feel in any way, uh, Unhumble, uh <laughs> it's it's it's, it's safe that, that yeah <laughs> okay whereas I I come from this from a kind of
1: I'm not quite as good, nowhere near as good a guitarist as Robert Smith so I go wow that's pretty clever and also it gives me great hope that that simplistic stuff couldn't can, can really work but where did that leave you?
0: yeah no I, I I was on board with with a lot of it Um I do think he's, he's kind of curious like how he plays in this kind of what I feel is very horror, horizontal way mm-hmm uh, I feel like, he, as you say, it's it's kind of anti-virtuosic, but in a in a quite um, quite novel fashion. Rather than you know running up and down the fretboard in in, in conventional you know conventional pentatonic scales, as so many rock guitarists would do, especially rudimentary rock guitarists that are trying to say perhaps more than their vocabulary allows. Yeah um but again that can be engaging when a when a limited player is is just making his instrument howl. yeah i mean that that's something some, that's some of the most exciting guitarists mm. guitar playing um but rather than that he he seems to be kind of painting these kind of angular i like, kind of sketching almost feel and this very kind of horizontal going up and down very you know methodically um a lot of playing on the beat um and yeah, very little in the way of ornamentation. I mean, um, okay, maybe sliding, but but not much in the way of vibrato and no bending really, um, which again is quite a quite a kind of obvious go-to technique when you want to evoke emotion, is just to bend the note because it's like you're, you're affecting speech in some way or you're deliberately hitting something that's not quite in in tone, but that's why it sounds great. That's what the blues is all about bends mm. and that's why pianists always struggle to play the blues right because, because they're slurring between semitones yeah, to try bec- and create well, that
1: uh, yeah because pianists that, are such that poor sh- poor dears are playing yeah. a, playing a percussion instrument but, bends, but that's so.
0: how he's playing quite pianist- pianistically is well, uh, it
1: just going yeah. that's what i was going to say it, it's almost like he's decided he's going to use guitar as just as inverted commas just another keyboard and he pl- he picks out mm. little melody lines that he repeats which is something you you get in, 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 um, quite a lot of pop and rock music, the, what the keyboardist ends up doing is quite simple chord pad, pads or little melodies that kind of repeat over and over. And, and, uh, whereas the guitarist is given free range to do all sorts of, as you say, go up and down the fretboard and do bending. And it just feels like it's a conscious decision to go right. Oh, percussion's doing that. Keyboard's doing that. I'm going to add a little textured melody, which, which don't just repeat. They just kind of repeat with a little bit of a change of a little semitone change note here or something here. Um, mm. which to me, because I'm immersed in this stuff and I, and I am emotionally and conceptually immersed in this stuff, just does make me, um I suppose if I wasn't, my more critical bit of thinking would be going, oh, I'm getting a bit bored now because they're, they're doing the same thing. I never actually think that. I'm just constantly entertained by this um, – uh, by this 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 mesh of what's going on between the the core of the percussion, the keyboards, and the and the, and the guitar, and, and I find it incredibly effective and powerful. And then and then the lyrics come in and the and the voice comes in, which I mean, you know, yeah, I, I accept. On the one hand, you go, oh, it's it's kind of miserable sounding and kind of slightly six four minutes lyrics, but on the other hand, the music almost seems to like carve its way into that world for you. That it almost makes it acceptable for 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 that to be the mood that the lyrics then come into well
0: speaking just about the guitar playing i'd be really interested to know if uh billy corgan of the smashing pumpkins was familiar with with this album because he's a very virtuosic player he Mm. he can squeal and wail with the best of them although i'd say he rarely put down a truly memorable solo as in something you could hum maybe maybe cherub rock maybe a few moments but not Mm. often uh he was he very good at pyrotechnics but um but he also seems to play to me quite well, again what I call horizontally, and he mm. he very much likes playing on the river and he plays uh, a lot of his riffs built around these kind of droning octaves. Mm. And to me, that only really the similarity, which may be superficial, but it only really struck me when I was listening to Robert Smith's home demos for this album. And I was actually surprised how much of the music had been developed mm. before he took it to the band. I I must confess, I assumed he was a kind of because the because to be quite frank the musical ideas are so rudimentary at times hmm. uh, i assumed he was just kind of plucking a few chords and coming in there and the band were responsible for most of the arrangements especially given the fact that the whole band is credited as, as co-composers sure. but i'm um, assuming that, assuming that he played every part on these home demos which i can only imagine he's actually coming in with very developed musical ideas like um uh, i think it's well not definitely what i'd consider one of the weakest tracks on the album but fascination street for example that sliding aggressive bass line is Mm. there from the from the start that wasn't something the bassist was bringing in that was something that he brought so these very simple ideas had actually been fleshed out almost seemingly completely in 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 their in their sonic and even their their musical arrangement which actually leaves one to wonder what the rest of the band are getting paid for
1: (laughs) um well that's really interesting because uh and it'd be interesting to know what stage those demos were at because the way i'd uh, read that this was created is, is literally, yeah, that Robert Smith went in with, um, uh, the kind of broad musical ideas and that they all went away, uh, and made little demos on their own of, of, of each track. So they ended up with, with, with about, you know, four or five different versions from each band member of mm. about 30 songs, uh, and then kind of had a massive choosing between both song and arrangement as a, as as a band. So, so yeah, I, I don't, who knows how iterative that process was
0: and what the, I mean, yeah. I have to say, if as charitable as I'm being to this record, if if they came in with thirty plus songs and these were the most interesting musical ideas to emerge, that that to me is a little bit troubling. Um, because whilst I appreciate the textual and emotional color collages that are being painted uh, in front of your ears, mm. I, you know, I do consider these 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 songs very rudimentary, and I I I almost at times wonder if if the foundations are strong enough to support these kind of mammoth totemic structures that, that they have built. And that's that's kind of the essential question to me, which mm. I can't quite answer because I think it really depends who's listening. But for me, mm. when it comes to if I'm going to engage with this album further and come back to it, it's unlikely because I often find there's not enough to reward me sure. musically. Certainly there's, certainly, there's definitely not enough to reward me musically, but m- emotionally, I can see what's happening. But peeling beneath the onion of those lyrics, I haven't studied it every lyric. But as you say, it does. It does sound so maudlin, so whiny, so self-obsessed, so so self-absorbed, so kind of contained in their own universe. It's hard not to kind of find find them so willfully self-indulgent that uh, yeah, it's six one poetry, Like you said, I, I I I I don't know sometimes if all these songs justify their own existence
1: yeah no and I guess i I, I, I get that in the um well I think there's two things there for me the the lyric idea yeah, you know I think the point is if you're in this kind of miserable mood you're by definition self-obsessed <laughs> you, know, uh, you, you know you know cl- you you know that cliche of you need to get out and get a life and get some relationships etc that's true and if you're feeling this unhappy with the world you are self-obsessed so I don't mind the self-obsession of the lyrics because I think it just it fits how you feel when you're in that when you're in that that mood musically i i I guess that just comes down to subjective views you, you just said that fascination street for you is one of the weakest songs on the album It's one of my absolute favorites and i think it um it's just a great almost kind of rock out energy burst within the rest of the album um which i was going to say anyway for for me
0: musically although well, that go on i just went to rewind a second because mm. i had to retort go on. Uh, apologies uh I'm a little bit confused about this this self-indulgent, maudlin, morose, depressed mess because, as I understand it, hadn't he just got married and therefore should be... In the, literally the definition of his honeymoon period of his life. Um, <laughs> uh, I, I, I guess,
1: but, um, but when you read uh, anything about the creation of this album, uh, what it tells you is that Robert Smith was deeply unhappy. I, I suppose professionally, I guess, you know, he had a view that the cure was not where he wanted it to be. He had a view that he hadn't written his masterpiece. He had a view that, that his band ma- members were kind of self inflated egos that needed taking down a peg or two. Um, and he, was apparently, you know, self- he, had lo- he had
0: lots of views. In <laughs> fact, he had lots of views. You know, well, he's a band leader. They have lots of views. You know, uh, and- I, I just wish it expressed. I wish it expressed a few more of them and more eloquently on this album. <laughs> Harsh. Um,
1: he was apparently also self-medicating for all that depression on, on, on LSD. Um, so I think the thing to say about the, the, the music is that I actually don't just find it one. Mm. Style. I, uh, I, I get that there's a, there's an overall, um, kind of a musical approach, but one of the things that I like about the album is that within that musical approach, there is a love song, love song. There's a, there's a kind of pop tune, you know, Lullaby. Um, there's some flat out rockers as well, Fascination Street, um, and, uh, and Prayers for Rain. So I think there's quite a lot of musical variety within this overall, um, picture of, of a, of a, of a kind of style, if you like. Um, all
0: right. I have to ask if I was to ask you one thing that you liked about the album, what would it be? Yeah, by far the most emotionally affecting moment for me is the title track. Uh, I think it, it has got something to do with its placement on the record, but overall, I just think it's a piece of music that does sound quite apart from the rest of the album, and it has this real urgency to it, musically and lyrically. Uh, and it's 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 difficult not to grab it. It just it locks in very early with with a, with a tight groove and that kind of post-punk device of, of changing the root note but uh, droning a second note on the bass. I think you're just leaving the open G string hanging, and you instantly kind of feel it. And it does sound like it – It I wouldn't say it doesn't belong in this record, but it definitely serves a welcome counterpoint after all the kind of morose mediocrity that has been leading up to it. Um, so I really enjoyed that. <laughs> now, and and, like, to be honest, I think overall, I, I the songs that did appeal to me, uh, and this might make me sound a bit basic, but maybe it's just because of the way I've engaged with the music and the time my life I've engaged with it, I think generally the shorter, more upbeat ones did affect me. So I, did, I quite liked pictures of you. I thought it was a nice. It, it was a bit of a two chord dirge, but after after plain song, it was a very much more welcome, you know, sentimental windswept MTV dirge, which mm-hmm. I can just about get. It did did potentially sound a bit like a stalker anthem, uh, and then love song, which you just mentioned. I mean, yeah, again, I, I think if you, if you can park, what is a little bit of an unashamedly cheesy lyric uh i i like that again that one really feels much like disintegration of a of a band in a room grooving and i can this may be the basic uh response to have but these these are the ones that appeal to me the most
1: okay now and i'd agree i mean disintegration for me coming at the end of it i've talked about the big four for me because I, th- I do think um the, it's kind of almost scatological, the first four or five songs up to last dance and, and lullaby, which we'll come back to. But once it gets to Fascination Street, um, prayers for rain, same deep water as you and then disintegration, that as a kind of EP on, on a, on a, on a loop, I could listen to for, for weeks. Cause I think the, 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 the way it builds to the, as we've talked about that kind of climax of disintegration, um, is, is, is by far one of my, you know, by far my favorite part of the album. Okay. On top of, the songs being overtly too long, the guitar being a bit basic and the, the lyrics being um, sort of pretentious and maudling. Was there anything else that you didn't like about the album?
0: Uh, I'd, I'd correct you there. Mm -hmm. If anything, I'd like the the lyrics to be more pretentious. I I think they're under ambitious. Right. I I prefer it if he was reaching beyond his, you know, immediate mental state a little bit. Okay. Um, Honestly, I, I, as, as I've said, I did, I do find plain song, I understand the role it plays, but for me, it's forgive the pun quite overtly plain. Uh, I didn't really. I mean, I find close, close down, and last dance just a little bit basic. A little bit. There's, there's, there's so much kind of pretension in them. I, I, I felt that that um, close down makes the smashing pumpkins themselves sound like black Sabbath. You know, that's that's. <laughs> um, and then I, I feel like the one, two of the two longest songs on the album, Press or rain and the same deep water as you. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think that adds up to 18 or 19 minutes between them. And it really, nothing happens. And I think this is probably for you, the emotional core of the album. And for me, it's the part where I utterly lose patience. Okay. Um, I I think there's a certain moment in uh, the same deep water as you, where he, he he says, uh, this is the very last thing before either you go or I go. Mm -hmm. And, I just, I just sit, remember sitting there, listening to it, thinking like, I really wish it was. But you're still singing, and you haven't gone anywhere. <laughs> and there's another half hour of the album to go. <laughs> yeah. Having said all that, of course, I appreciate the role it's played in your life, and uh, while it while it's obviously not pleasant to hear, I, I, it's no surprise to me that you've <laughs> that you've you've lent on this record at times. But is there anything that you you don't enjoy? Anything you find yourself skipping? Okay so I I guess on oh, no, those long on oh, no, those long deep uh, oh, those, dark those, nights of the stars, On oh, those long, long deep darks where
1: I'm listening to the entire album uh the, the 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 song that gets skipped is lullaby the 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 sort of uh, it was the pop it was the first song anybody heard of the album because it was the uh, the first single um and I find it doesn't really fit the overall it's kind of musical and emotional envelope of the rest of the album. It's interesting because, because lyrically it's, it's, it's slightly, is it slightly less self-obsessed almost because it's not just saying, this is how I feel, <laughs> which, which I, which I get that is what he's doing, but I kind of quite like the honesty of that. And, and what he's saying is just taking us on a journey around some bad dreams he had. And I just find it a little bit of an offshoot. I don't need a cul-de-sac almost. And musically, I, it would probably fit better on the previous well probably head on the door uh as a, as a kind of curie type whimsical song rather than this kind of dark masterpiece type song so uh so that's the one that i that i find myself skipping
0: that's interesting because while i wouldn't say it was my favorite song it's definitely one of the ones that i enjoyed the most and probably it's probably the most musically interesting actually um because it has got that like, different rhythm going on it's got a you know that it's pl- it's got a pleasant plod to it um it's kind of poppy but not overtly suffocatingly cheery so it does fit in i did feel like it probably came from a different session when i when i first listened to it mm. uh but the, the detail that i really appreciated and i only kind of heard on i don't know the people sick listen was the string part those little kind of mm-hmm. little um two or three note whatever like little jots that are going in it's not a consistent like I'm string you know strings cording underneath it's just these little kind of Percussive spurts, which really play against the guitar, and it adds a quite rhythmic element to a record, which, frankly, is really uh, lacking in you know in, in groove in 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 rhythmic variation. So, um, yeah, not my favourite song on 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 the record, and I do find the lyric a little bit oblique. Mm. Um, but hey, what is Spider Man having for dinner tonight? <laughs> what is
1: he? What is he? But I think that's what I mean. I, I agree. I think um, it's it's got some interesting musical ideas. And an album, I'll say it again, Head on the Door, had some very interesting sort of quirky musical ideas with some quirky lyrics. And I think it would, it would fit very nicely on there. And I'd probably enjoy it on there. It just doesn't fit on this album because, um, you know, if you're looking for groove, this is not the place to come. Uh, it, it, you know, almost willfully there's, there's, there's no groove on this album. We haven't talked about my absolute highlight of the album. Prayers for rain. I think that's an absolutely fantastic Ooh. song. Uh, yeah, I, I, I mean, for two reasons. One is it's clearly about an abusive relationship, someone trapped in an awful relationship. And I find the way he uh, conveys that to be entirely convincing, um, and entirely, um, well, you know, sometimes art is just about it makes you feel better because someone else has been through it. And, 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 and I'm convinced by that. Um, so the idea of just, you know, being in such a bad place that, um, that even praying for rain, even rain is better than where you are. Um, really strikes a chord with me. But musically, I love it. And I know that it's from the beginning of that, that it builds up and then there's that fantastic massive symbol at the beginning uh that, that 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 kind of sets you off on the journey of the song uh and to be pretentious for a moment it's it's like the 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 overhit symbol in kind of blue you know the Miles Davis kind of blue um yeah. uh where um oh god what is the first song is it so what no, it's um yes. It's it's so what? It's so what? And it builds up, builds what? And then and then and the it's Jimmy Cobb, Jimmy Cobb, over it hits the symbol, and it's the same feeling. It's kind of built till there, and then the overhit symbol just kind of sits, changes the song into something mm. something different. I don't know if the Cure boys were a big fan of Kind of Blue, but it always reminds me of that. That moment always reminds me of the of the overhit symbol in Kind of Blue, uh, and then I love the rest of the song.
0: The part that really troubles me is that mm. it. Will- many people do regularly pray for rain uh quite literally it's a source of subsistence that we all need and drought is a real problem and as is uh you know (laughs) as is a lack of food in much of the developing world yeah yeah so so i think his i think his metaphor is a little bit clumsy but i'm not
1: sure okay but he's praying for emotional rain rather than physical rain so so that's his, that's his get out. <laughs> and yes, I've just used the phrase pray for emotional rain. So I'm, I'm right in there with uh, with Robert Smith pretending I don't know what emotional rain <laughs> is. Nor I. Nor do I,
0: <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> do Whatever, I but works. it works for me. Um, I do appreciate what you say about there being two closing songs because mm. it's, it's kind of quite brave. But I guess after you've exhausted the audience with an hour of of this, you know, bleak worldview, you assume they're with you. So. Uh, for my money untitled i i find a far more compelling song than homesick to be honest uh i quite like the way it plays out with the free guitars simultaneously playing different lead lines it, it almost sounds a little bit like someone's got a loop station which now is passe but in 1989 was was, was quite interesting mm. um homesick again I, I the way the outro builds it reminded me a little bit of black by pearl Jam. actually where you got the the base kind of haunting up there and you've got one thing that's kind of repeating over and over again to emotional mm-hmm. exhaustion. Um, I'd argue we didn't maybe need both of them. But I mean, if you, as you say, if you put people through prayers for rain and same deep water as you, then I, I find those two as a pair much easier to get through.
1: Yeah, I, I, I have asked myself that question, but then after I, I asked myself the question, it, almost after disintegration, you're on such a, um, you, you've been, almost destroyed emotionally so much i think you need to <laughs> to, to mm. and I, but i think that is the great to build yourself back to, <laughs> yeah no no literally that robin i think that's the great joy this album is for me it is a joy to listen to um it leaves me feeling in a better place than it finds me and i think it's it's because of those two closing songs without that it would just fracture me as the song says i'm fractured you know but both
0: those two closers have a different way of putting me back together again i'm intrigued to know what you think of last dance and close down because i i i find them both quite claustrophobic and melodramatic and they're what they're some of the ones that i found it harder to appreciate um where do they fit in your album art?
1: yeah i see what you mean and i think you know i think they're probably the weakest songs on the album but it's it sort of Musically and ideas wise, because although I don't think, uh, Lullaby fits, I think it's a, it's a, it's a better song, if you like. So they're the two songs yeah. that you could cheerfully do without. But I think with, for the arc of the album, where you're, <laughs> you are in it for the long haul, um, you know, the, the, the cheap way of doing it would be just to listen to, uh, and I keep saying those big four and, and, and you'd, you'd kind of almost get the same feel. But I think, um, close down a last dance they're they're part of this this painting this picture of somebody that is uh not in a good place all is not well in the world Mm. and for different reasons whether it's because of an old lover or i mean closed down is just an utter kind of I've closed down from the world i think without without those two um you don't get quite the picture um the disintegration
0: and and the two closes but then 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 put you back together with See, for a hot minute, it hmm. sounds like you were about to concede that this perfect album <laughs> even you listening to 30 plus years <laughs> could actually be a good 10, 15 minutes shorter. And honestly, I, I think I would probably have more more space for it in my life if it was shorter. Um, I, it, some, I don't think it's a coincidence this album came out in 1989, to be honest, mm-hmm. because it's this is you know you've got all the extended studio time and demoing and big production that was the excesses of the 80s age let's face it a big rock band making a big record but you've finally given them the extended runtime of a cd which can run to 74 minutes at that point right mm-hmm. uh, without any extra expense to fans without any without it being having to be a big statement or this evidently was a big statement so to me that it does feel a little bit like they've they or perhaps just smith himself has allowed the kind of you know ego the inner uh the inner id to run wild a little bit and 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 this may have been a to me a stronger album had it you know been made a few years earlier on what was still the vinyl era and they would have had to cram it onto 45 max 50 minutes and that that might have been a better record. Let's face it, music has always been dictated by the medium it's consumed on. Right? So sure. that's that's been the case. Like mm-hmm. a single was the length because that's what a seven inch or before that, a seventy-eight could accommodate, right? Uh, mm-hmm. three and a half minutes. And then obviously we built up with albums, and they were albums were largely 40, max 45 minutes in the vinyl era. And the CD era changed that. And now, again, streaming means if anything, we're going to the 20, 25 minute EP drop is probably the most common thing right now, simply because you make the biggest impact with your work, your effort to impact ratio. When it comes to like media hype and fan satisfaction, is is highest when you when you have product regularly, but not a huge amount of product that's going to take years to record. So I, I think we need sure. to be really clear on that this this is a, this is this album is a victim of the era uh, that it was made in, as much as the creative headspace of those who are making it. That yeah, and
1: I I agree. That said, I get I go back to. This was a massive commercial success, you know, uh, far more than, than the Cure ever or their record company ever dreamed. I mean, Robert Smith was trying to hark back to, you know, his, his goth roots and it, and it, and it. It was an app, so it clearly its length, its um, its production, uh, its moroseness, if you like. It struck a very long chord with an awful lot of people because people wanted to hear this in stadium rock environments and listen to you know all seventy three minutes of it and every song. And there's still you know there's there's just been a I don't know what anniversary tour of it, so that they've done it you know they've done it a few two times in Australia in 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 its entirety. Thirty four years, yes, yeah, something <laughs> like that, something like that, and 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 people. Are hanging on to every note, including including close down and
0: and uh, and and last and last dance. So, I would I would actually say so. I I had the fortune misfortune mm. to see the Cure at a festival in Japan about four years ago, just pre COVID, mm. and uh uh and I found the set largely underwhelming. There were moments of of joy, of course, of course, boys don't cry, etc. um But largely, it was a bit of a big fat yawn for me. Um, and I remember feeling quite disconnected from the rest of the crowd and you've got tens of thousands of people getting very excited and particularly the people I with who are big Cure fans and turning to look at one of my very good friends and seeing a tear roll down her cheek and just thinking, <laughs> what what am I missing here? What am, what am, what am I not getting? <laughs> and and the, the kind of kicker is when I looked up the setlist a couple of days ago in, yeah. and and found out they played seven songs of this album. So yeah. Yeah. maybe that was maybe that's the proof that it wasn't <laughs> wasn't the the record for me.
1: Well, I'm I'm almost glad to hear that you're you you know you've never been in a state where you've where you've engaged in this emotionally because it's not a great place to be. Let's face it. So well well done you for never having to have disintegration in your life. So fair to say, not your favourite musical moment. Can you imagine a world or a place, you know, if one had to
0: listen to this, or if you had to listen to this, where would be the best place to do so? I'm in the hospital ward. They're about to cut off my morphine. I can see no more reason to live. But part of me is a human spirit, a little part of me, a little voice inside that's going, Rob, Rob, don't give up. You can beat it. You're gonna be okay. There's stuff to live for, and I would put this album on in my last dying hours to realise how bleak existence is, and I'm happy to pass on into the nothing life ahead.
1: <laughs> okay, whereas see, I would disagree. So I, I think that's a perfect place to listen to, but I think it would, I think it would turn you around because of the last two tracks. That would be like a warm comfort blanket and make everything pretty and rosy again, and you'd, you'd, you'd it would be the start of you. Uh, coming out of that of that
0: desperate need for morphine. So, so when did you discover The Cure and especially this record?
1: Uh, well, I was at uni and I was playing prog rock and Neil Young loudly in my room and my friend said, please stop playing that, we can all hear it. Um, can you, can, which is fair enough. Um, um, uh, and and can you please you know listen to this? The Cure. And at the time, my image of the Cure were of a fashion band. I thought they were a pop fashion band. Um, you know because of things like Head on the Door. And so I first heard this probably you know coming back drunk from a uni party in my first year in my in my student room. And thinking, oh, I'll put that on then in, instead of Jethro Tull. Um, and I probably didn't go to sleep until it was all over uh,
0: and thought, wow, that's that's an incredible thing. I will play that again. So you can tell that I'm intrigued at least. Yeah. I probably should know some more cure in my life. I do like the early pop singles. Mm. Uh, what would, should I or our listeners go away and listen to next?
1: Um, okay, so I think the thing about this album is – in terms of the cure catalogue, I think it kind of does stand alone a little bit. Um, because, I mean, to be honest, after this, and I'm sure there are some cure die- diehards out there, but you know, it didn't go so well for the cure. You know, they, 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 they did, they did massive tours on the back of this and then. Oh, they had Wish, the album, which was a little bit hit and miss, and Wild Move swings that got panned. Um, and they did Blood Flowers, which Robert Smith claimed was sort of a trilogy with this and um, pornography, um, but didn't quite hit the, the heights for the listening public or, or critical reception. So after this album, it's hard to say, oh, this is what you must listen to. It was almost like Robert Smith was right. He wrote his masterpiece at before, just before the age of 30 and then, and then it wasn't great afterwards. And before this, things are very different. You know, you've got Jangly Pop, Boys Don't Cry the album, which is a great Jangly Pop album. Um, you've got the kind of. Th- three, you know, kind of shoegazing, gothy guitar music, which if you like the overall feel of this album, then, then you know, that's Faith, Pornography and um 17 Seconds, then that would be a place to go to if you like this album, but it's a very different sound. And then you've got, you know, the three in the middle, of the top, Head on the Door and Kiss Me, Kiss Me, Kiss Me, Kiss Me which I actually, uh, that's where I'd go because I think there's a lot of good stuff in there that's just kind of musically imaginative and Kiss Me, Kiss Me, Kiss Me especially. It's a double album that just goes all over the place Stylistically and emotionally doesn't have the conceptual whole that this does emotionally, uh, because nothing else does. This is not like anything else the cure have ever done before or since. And it's quite hard to go, is it anything like anybody else has done before or since? You know, 73 minutes of long stretched out songs, maudlinness, um, forever and ever that actually does manage to strike a chord with people and be very very popular rather than turn people off in their in their droves the place i would go to personally if you love this album is to hear it live um there was an album just afterwards called entreat which was essentially a uh, live versions of this and as i say on youtube there there've been all kinds of them you know doing the whole song uh the whole album live and i actually think some of these songs going back to your production point do work a little bit better live. So, you know, yes, there is a sly 80s kind of over, uh, over tinny compressed kind of pop production to it, um, which you, which you lose in the live environment. And certainly some of the rocky ones like Fascination Street, um, and Prayers for Rain, um, Prayers for Rain, rocky song, but in the context of this album, it is, um, that, that do come across better, I think. So, uh, I think there's, 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 there's live albums to go to.
0: Dave, I have to ask. Yes.
1: Were you ever a goth? No. And that's the weird thing because that, that, th- this album, that, and that's why I'm not very good on The Cure as a whole, as you can tell. You know, I listened to Prog Rock. I was listening to Jethro Tull and, and early Genesis. And then my mate at uni said, please, Dave, stop playing that stuff. Here's something you should listen to. And it was this. Uh, and it was totally different. And I expected to hate it because it wasn't musically. As interesting originally I felt because it didn't have the same changing every all the all the time, but it totally grabbed me emotionally and has done ever since. um But it was my if you like springboard into Cure world, which I've basically described. I like some of it, but 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 it, you know I'm not necessarily a Cure fan. I'm a disintegration fan, so no, I was never a goth. Also, I had the wrong hair color to be a goth.
0: You could have dyed it. If I could have dyed it. If I could have done. Um, I'm pretty sure Robert Smith is still
1: dying. No, his I'm hair. pretty sure sure he is. Okay, so that is Disintegration by The Cure, an album I will continue to love and enjoy, and I accept it's one I don't listen to unless I need to, and so probably won't hope that I'd never have to listen to it again, which might be the world you're in as well. I mean, fingers crossed. (laughs) (laughs) Um, uh, So an album that you now know about but perhaps will never play again. That sounds like a fair estimation. All right, so... What will you be making me listen to over the next week or so as
0: a return visit? Well, I'm going to drag your Gen X behind into the 21st century, kicking, screaming. Uh, I just turned 10 years old. Let's do Random Memories by Daft Punk. Blimey. Okay. Well, that'll be different for me. Look forward to it very much. In the meantime, thanks for listening, everybody.